0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're continuing our study of the temple, and especially where was the temple located, because that's an issue of controversy right now. We're asking that question, where was the temple? For some this might seem a strange question, because surely we know it was on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. But this has been recently thrown into question by Ernest Martin and Robert Cornucchi who've proposed it wasn't on the Temple Mount at all but in the City of David and it was actually the Roman Antonia Fortress that occupied the Temple Mount and previously I explained that this isn't just an academic question but it has a vital spiritual importance this is because the control of the Temple Mount is at the heart of the present spiritual warfare And that's why it's the most fiercely contested piece of land on the earth. The Temple Mount is still holy ground, and it will play a vital role in the fulfillment of God's purposes through the rebuilding of a Jewish temple there. But Satan is opposing God's purposes and wants to control the Temple Mount. So there's a battle between Israel and radical Islam over the control of the Temple Mount and Jerusalem which is actually at the heart of the bigger issue of Israel's very existence in the land. Because the temple in Jerusalem is the key spot which God has ordained to be the control center of the earth, the place from which the great king will rule the earth. My contention and my objection to the Martin Cornuke theory is not just that it's false, but it plays into the hands of the powers of darkness, causing well-meaning Christians to support the narrative of Israel's enemies. That she has no historic connection to the Temple Mount and therefore no right to control it. If it's just the Roman Antonia Fortress, then of course the Jews don't have anything to do with the Temple Mount. and I believe that's not just wrong, it's, it's dangerous. And that's why I want to cover this theory in detail and show why it can't be true. We can understand the two opposing viewpoints from this picture. The bottom half is the original Jerusalem that David captured called the City of David with the pool of Siloam in the far south. The standard view says that Solomon's temple was built on the plateau on the hill above the City of David where the golden dome of the rock now stands on a large platform. All other temples had to be built there also because that is the holy place that God originally ordained. Between the Temple Mount and the City of David is the offal. Martin's theory says that the temple was not on what we call the Temple Mount, but in the city of David. Here is another view of the city of David, as it would have appeared in the time of David before the temple was built. The reason the original Jerusalem was built on a narrow ridge, rather than higher up on the mount to the west, or the mount to the north, and it's the mount to the north that can be seen in the picture, Uh, the reason, as I say, that Jerusalem was Uh, built on this narrow ridge in the south is the Gihon Spring. And that's the only fresh water source in the area. Water was essential for any city. And the Jebusites had built a fortress around the spring which you can see near the bottom of the slope as it leads down to the Kidron Valley. And this Jebusite fortress was recently discovered and is now called the Spring Tower. And next to it was the rock-cut pool, which was a reservoir of water for the people of Jerusalem. Above it, on top of the ridge, was David's palace, which was also discovered recently and is now called the large stone structure. Also, you can see today in area G, the millow, which was necessary as a foundational support for David's large palace, and that's the, the stony um, sloped uh, as it were, foundation for the palace at the top. Houses and storerooms also from the second temple period were found at the base of the millo and can be seen today. In Martin's theory, the temple covered the whole area of David's palace, the Millow, and the spring fortifications in the city of David. But the standard view, in the standard view, the temple was built on the higher ground above and to the north of the city of David. Uh, at the top right of the picture. Well, you should already see some fatal flaws with Martin's theory. The Temple Mount, which is called Mount Zion in the Bible, should be on a mount. But the city of David can hardly be described as being on a mount. It's on relatively low ground compared to its surroundings. And secondly, the narrow ridge of the city of David, just doesn't give enough room for the dimensions of the temple mount given in the Bible in the Jewish records. Thirdly, the recent archaeological discoveries of the buildings around the spring and higher up on the hill show that they were actually in, continued to be in use throughout the time of the, of the first temple. But that would be impossible in Martin's theory because they would be underneath this temple mount of his. Now, what we're going to do now is follow the history of the temple and see how the generally accepted view fits uh, fits perfectly. All the scriptural clues, whereas Martin's theory fails consistently. The first mention of Jerusalem in the Bible is in the time of Abraham when he was met by Melchizedek, King of Jerusalem, in about 2000 BC. This picture shows that it was built on low ground compared to all the surrounding hills. The hill to the north um, is Mount Moriah. And the hill to the east, which is the north being kind of the top right of the picture, that's Mount Moriah. And the hill to the east is the Mount of Olives. And the valley between the city and the Mount of Olives is the Kidron Valley. This is where Abraham was blessed by Melchizedek after defeating the five kings and rescuing Lot. In the slope leading down to the valley is the Gihon Spring. And that's the main reason why the city was built there on low ground, rather than on one of the surrounding mountains. The vital importance of the spring meant that it was well fortified. It had to be well fortified. The surroundings of Jerusalem are also the setting for Abraham offering up Isaac which is crucial for locating the temple, for this is the foundational event when God first set apart and ordained a definite place for sacrifices called Mount Moriah and made it holy. Genesis 22.2, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. God showed him one of the mountains of Moriah on which to offer up Isaac. And from that point, it was known as Mount Moriah. And as we'll see, Solomon later built the temple on Mount Moriah. Now, it should be obvious that Abraham would not have offered up Isaac within the city of Jerusalem itself. In any case, verse 2 says it had to be on high ground on top of one of the mountains, which again disqualifies the city. The fact that it was on high ground rather than the low ridge on which the city was built is confirmed by the story as we read it in the next verses. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. So this place must have been on high ground where God was telling him to offer up Isaac. So Mount Moriah, the ordained place of sacrifice, was not in the city but on one of the mountains surrounding it. Therefore the temple, which was also built on Mount Moriah, could not possibly be in the city of David, which is where the original city of Jerusalem was located, but rather on one of the mountains above it. When God saw that Abraham was willing to offer up Isaac, he stopped him. And he provided a ram as a substitute for Isaac, which Abraham offered up instead of Isaac. And this ram was the forerunner of many animal sacrifices that would be offered up on that same Mount Moriah because of the temple. Each of these animal sacrifices were substitutes dying in the place of man. And all of these were pictures of the ultimate sacrifices, that the ultimate sacrifice that God would provide, as Abraham said. To, in verse eight, he said, "My son, God will provide Himself, the Lamb, for the burnt offering. Ultimately, God would provide the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ." God revealed to Abraham, therefore, that this place was the ordained mount. For sacrifices and therefore it's the ordained mount for the temple where one day even on this very mount also the father God would provide and offer up his own son to die in our place and that God says that essentially God reveals that in verse 14 let's read that Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide that's Jehovah Jireh as it is said to this day In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That is, the final sacrifice will be provided. Or it could be, in this mount, the Lord will be provided. And so, what he's saying is here, in the same mount where Abraham offered up Isaac, this is where God will provide sacrifice, the sacrifice for the salvation of mankind. But before that, he'll provide all the sacrifices in the temple, as as a picture of the final sacrifice. And God has set aside Mount Moriah for that very purpose. And so the temple must be on this Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up Isaac. So by naming the mount, the place of God's provision, Jehovah Jireh, Abraham was not just looking back at how God did provide this ram, as a sacrifice in the place of Isaac, but also Abraham was looking into the future, because his explanation there is, in the mount of the Lord it it shall be provided. And so this speaks of God's future provision of sacrifices in this ordained holy mount, for sacrifices to die in the place of men. And this initially was fulfilled by all the sacrifices offered up in the temple on Mount Moriah. And then ultimately, by the sacrifice of Jesus the lamb of god on mount moriah you can see on this contour map that mount moriah does not actually peak at the temple mount but it rises up higher to the north the peak of mount moriah is the place known as golgotha where christ was provided as the final sacrifice in fulfillment of genesis 22:14 so we've seen that god has already set apart the ordained holy place for sacrifices in Genesis 22 by guiding Abraham to offer up Isaac there. This place was on a mountain called Moriah near Jerusalem but it was not within the original city of Jerusalem which is on low ground. Since Abraham offered up Isaac on Mount Moriah and prophesied that this was the place of God's provision of future sacrifices it was imperative that the temple was built on the same holy Mount Moriah. And that's exactly what we read in 2 Chronicles 3, 1, which says, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. So the temple was built on a mount. It's a simple idea. On a mount. But the city of David isn't a mount. The temple was built on a mount, the very same Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up Isaac. Now this would make no sense if the temple was built within the city because the city is not a mount and Abraham did not offer up up Isaac in the city but on a mount near it. But it does make perfect sense if Mount Moriah is the mount to the north overlooking the city above and it fits the normal pattern of temples being built on higher ground outside the city where people live you see its greater elevation represents its greater holiness. This is a picture of the Jebusite city of Jerusalem from 1800 BC to 1000 BC when it was captured by David. Notice the Jebusite fortress around the Gihon Spring on the lower slopes and David's palace on top of the Milo. These massive Jebusite fortifications around the spring have recently been discovered and they must be what the Bible calls the stronghold of Zion. And that's mentioned in the Bible as the fortress that David had to capture to take the city. No other comparable fortifications have been found. 2 Samuel says that David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Jerusalem then became known as the city of David. The defenders... The Jebusite defenders thought they were safe, you see, within such strong fortifications. But David knew how to penetrate them because he grew up in Bethlehem, just five miles away. And he was an adventurous shepherd boy taking his sheep around. And he would certainly have explored the tunnels, taking water from the Gihon spring to irrigate the valley. And therefore, he would have known the water system. And he would have known that was the way into the fortress. And that's why it says in Samuel, David said on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft shaft, and defeats the Jebusites, he will be chief and captain. So he told them how to do it. And uh, David initially, once Jerusalem was captured, he initially lived in the Jebusite stronghold near the the spring while he was building a palace for himself. Then he built that Milo, In order to build his palace at the top. Then Samuel 5 says. Then David dwelt in the stronghold. And called it the city of David. And David built all around from the millow and inwards. Then Hiram king of Tyre sent messages to David. And cedar trees and carpenters and masons. And they built David a house. So David now builds his palace at the top of that hill. And that's been discovered. The foundations have been discovered. A few verses on, in verse 17, we read, When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went down, went to search for David. And David heard of it and went down. Notice, he went down to the stronghold. So David is now dwelling in his palace at the top of the hill there. But because of the Philistine threat... He went down to the greater security of the original Jebusite stronghold around the spring. So this just confirms that David's palace was built at the top of the mellow, just where they have discovered the foundations of the large stone structure. Now if Martin's theory, as we've got pictured here, is correct, the temple was built above David's palace. So we have to believe that Solomon knocked down David's palace in order to build the temple. But as we continue the history, we will see that this is impossible. David gives us the next key also about the true location of the temple. Because God supernaturally led David to the exact spot where he wanted the altar of the temple to be. And he caused David to build the altar of the Lord there in a specific place. The altar, actually, as the place of sacrifice is essential to any temple and it must be the first part of a temple to be established in order to consecrate the whole area for holy use. So fixing the altar was the first stage of fixing the place of the temple. And we're told that the altar was built on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite and it fixed the exact location of the temple according to 2 Chronicles, it says, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David, at the place at the altar that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Let's look at this story. It's an amazing story. In Chronicles 21, it says, God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. As he was destroying, the Lord looked and relented of the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying, It's enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now this was the moment when the judgment was stopped. And the next verses explain why it was stopped and how this event determined the location of the future temple. It says, Then David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having in his hand a drawn sword stretched over Jerusalem. David, who was in the city, looked up and he saw this massive angel standing on higher ground above the city, pointing his sword toward the city as if about to destroy it. And verse 15 actually tells us exactly where the angel was standing. Well, was, he wasn't in midair. But rather it says, the angel of the Lord stood by next to the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So the angel was standing at the top of the mount between earth and heaven adjacent to a threshing floor. And that's a vital clue as to where the temple was built. As in all of the appearances of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this angel was actually the Lord himself, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus. This is confirmed in 2 Chronicles 3, one. Solomon, it says, began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to the, his father David, at the place where David had prepared on the threshing floor of Orna and the Jebusite. So here it, the angel of the Lord is called the Lord himself. The sight of this mighty angel with sword drawn caused David to cry out to God. We read, David and the elders, as a result, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces, and David said to God, let your hand, I pray, O Lord my God, be against me and my father's house, not against your people that they should be plagued. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, the prophet Gad, to say to David that David should go up, notice, go up, and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of Gad which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. David was told to go up from the city to the higher ground above it to the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite and build an altar there on his threshing floor right next to where the angel was standing so that he could offer an atoning sacrifice there in the immediate presence of the angel which would then stay the hand of judgment on Jerusalem. We read, now Ornan turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves but Ornan continued threshing wheat. This Ornan was obviously made of strong stuff. He just carried on working even in the presence of this mighty angel. Ornan was on the threshing floor, threshing wheat there. And he too saw the angel standing next to the threshing floor. We read, So David came to Ornan. And Ornan looked up and saw David. And he went out from the threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. But Ornan said to David, Take it to yourself and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price for I will not take what is yours for the Lord nor offer burnt offerings with that which cost me nothing. So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. And David built there, that's on the threshing floor, an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And God answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offering. So the Lord commanded the angel and he returned his sword to his sheath. Amazing story. You see, by sending fire on the altar, by stopping the judgment of the angel, God confirmed that he had accepted David's sacrifice. And that also meant that the altar that David built was in exactly the right place, on the threshing floor. So from that time, David started sacrificing at this God-ordained altar, which then became the location for the altar of the temple. Chronicles says, at that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, he sacrificed there. So, number one, the location of the temple altar was now fixed as being on the threshing floor. Also, secondly, the place where the angel of the Lord stood, he had stood on higher ground, that must be the top of the hill, above the threshing floor, that then fixed the place of the Holy of Holies which would be the starting point for the building of the temple structure itself. They would have started building from the Temple of Holy of Holies and worked from there. And that's exactly what 2 Chronicles says, 3.1. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, firstly, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. So this says that the Holy of Holies was where the angel appeared to David. That's at the top of the hill. And secondly, it says they built the um, at the secondly at the place that david had prepared on the threshing floor of ornan the jebusite so this confirms that the altar of the temple was where david prepared an altar on the threshing floor the two key points of the temple the holy of holies and the altar position was now fixed by this experience this is confirmed in 1 chronicles 22 david said this pointing to a certain location, this, and that's actually where the angel stood at the top of the hill, this is the location of the house of the Lord God. And secondly, this, pointing in a different direction, this, that's the threshing floor, is the location of the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. Those two key locations. And so we see that Solomon followed David's instruction for for the locations of the two key points of the temple that determined its exact location, the Holy of Holies and the altar. And it was revealed to David through his divine encounter where his sacrifice at those, that place saved Israel from judgment. So David then knew exactly where the temple should be built. God's temple had to be in a specific place of his choosing so he left nothing to chance but supernaturally revealed its location today. Now this scenario makes perfect sense if it took place on the mount above the city to the north where the temple mount is today. At that time it would have been a farming area for growing wheat and a place near the top of the hill but on its eastern slope. That would have been perfect a perfect place for a threshing floor where the wheat was threshed and then thrown into the air for the wind to carry away the chaff. A threshing floor should be in a high place, in an open space where it can catch the wind, but not at the very top of a hill, otherwise the westerly wind could be too strong and blow the wheat away as well. So placing it just under the peak on the eastern slope was perfect. Thus the Holy of Holies was where the angel stood at the peak, where the Dome of the Rock is now, and the altar was placed to the east, to its east, where there was a threshing floor, exactly where we would expect a threshing floor to be. On the other hand, Martin's theory for the location of the temple makes no sense in the light of this account of David. It requires the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite to be inside the city near David's palace. For obvious reasons, threshing floors were never within cities, always in open fields outside the city, because that's where the wheat is. Be foolish to carry the wheat into the city, to thresh, and then cover the city in chaff. For example, Naomi told Ruth to go out to the threshing floor where Boaz was sleeping, waiting for a night breeze. And after she asked Boaz to marry her, it says, then, that's in the morning, she went into the city. So the threshing floor was outside the city. Moreover, Ornan's threshing floor couldn't be in the city of David, because David conquered all the city from the Jebusite, so he wouldn't have to buy land inside the city from a Jebusite. But it does make sense. If David graciously allowed Ornan, which actually is the same name as the Jebusite king he conquered, and so it might be the king even, he allowed Ornan to continue to make a living by farming his lands north of the city. And that's why it makes perfect sense that David would feel the need to buy that farming land from Ornan. And that farming land is the location of the temple, not in the city of David itself. And so the story, this story of the temple's origin, when David was, it was revealed to David where the altar and the Holy of Holies should be, this absolutely proves that the temple could not have been in the city of David. It had to be in the hill above the city of David. Well, in the continuation of this study, we'll continue to follow the history of the temple and we'll assess the main arguments that are made for this new Martin Cornuke theory. And we'll see how strong they actually are.